Thank you for joining us for another episode of All Good in the Brotherhood podcast. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to make you all aware of some exciting new content that we will be putting out exclusively on our YouTube channel. This will include reflections on the Gospels coming out uh, every Sunday, as well as answers to questions and debates that are going on in the world through a philosophical lens and principles, which comes out every Monday. And finally, we will have some dives into Benedictine spirituality and monasticism that'll come out every Saturday. So if that sounds interesting to you, please hop on over, subscribe, check out our YouTube channel, and we hope that this will be something cool that we can journey together with. So now back to today's episode. So Bobby, you just got a new car, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. In Ohio? Yeah. Nice. How do you like it? It's pretty good. It does its job. Yeah. 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 Picked it up yesterday. Okay. And uh, I was basically looking for a car that would be the most cost effective and most reliable. Yeah. Most fuel efficient. Um, something I could like run into the ground for the next 10 years. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And how was the process of actual bu- actually buying it? Like how was the guy that you're, you're buying it from? Yeah. So um, <laughs> from what I heard online, like when I was doing my research, um, you might get the impression that pretty much every car salesman is basically a slime ball. <laughs> um, but right. that that was, uh, you know, happily not my experience. That's uh, good to hear. Yeah. I understand that, you know, a lot of people it's different. So it's, it's definitely a blessing. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I figured out... Um, you know, James, uh, my friend went with me mm-hmm. and, uh, he was telling the guy, his name is Mike. He was telling him that, you know, we work at OLMC, the Catholic camp. Yeah. And, uh, he just, you know, said, Oh, our family is super Catholic. I'm like, wait, really? Oh, why? <laughs> you get a discount for that? No, no, no Catholic no. discount. That'd be nice. But that was fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to complain because no. the price was great anyway. Cause the guy, uh, mainly does like wholesale to, uh, bigger dealerships right but yeah i think i think his aunt was i think it was his aunt she was working in um in the office there and you know james was was talking with her and you know you could just really tell that she had an authentic faith like she had a, a quote from saint padre pio in her office that said pray hope and don't worry and yeah. so um you know after the deal was done and you know i was i was getting ready to leave i i took out my wallet and you know, I have a, I have a third class relic of St. Padre Pio in my oh, that's wallet. Fire. And, in and your had, wallet at all yeah, times? Yeah, yeah, that's sick. yeah. It has, let me, see um, this, let me see this. It has the quote, pray open, don't worry on it. Oh, fire, dude. So. Okay. What is, what is the relic itself? Do you know? Um, I think it was touched to a first class relic. Oh, that's sick. So okay. maybe it's just like a piece of cloth or something. Fire. Yeah. Dank. Yeah. So. Yeah, dude. So yeah. I, I, that's a good motto for going into buying a new car. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think I think this experience has been really, really helpful for me, especially in view of, you know, the process of discerning my own vocation, because right. I'm keeping that in mind. Like, I really do think that, you know, it's it's very likely that God's calling me to, to the vocation of marriage and, mm-hmm. you know, being a father and everything. So, right. you know, I, I just have a, a really deep desire to, to be able to provide. So I'm yeah. trying to like, you know, do it in, in the best way possible. And that's one of the things I really love the most about being a Catholic and, and walking with Jesus and, and our faith is that like every opportunity or every event in life is an opportunity to practice virtue and holiness yeah. and everything. And yeah. like even in the most ordinary circumstances of life, like there's something there, mm-hmm. there's something there. So like 
it's just good on a human level to, to be able to go through the process of doing research and going to, you know, a car dealership and yeah. interacting with people and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like that really helped me to gain a little bit more peace because like if I become a father one day, I want my wife and kids to trust me. Yeah. I want them to, to look at me and it's not for my own sake and my own glory, but like mm-hmm. to fulfill their needs. And right. that's, you know, just one of the most beautiful things I think also about the Catholic vision of, of the family mm-hmm. is that like any sort of place of authority or, or role of influence that I have is not to, to puff me up mm-hmm. um, and, and, and arrogance or whatever, or, or but it's, it's for service. Like right, Jesus right. said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's really awesome and, and, and fulfilling like these, these little things. And, um, you know, it's, it's such a blessing. Mm-hmm. It's definitely such a blessing. Absolutely. I think some of the stuff you're talking about is, is getting at one of the most beautiful aspects of our faith, which is part of being a Catholic allows you to, or one of the big parts of Catholic life is the recognition that every moment and every activity can somehow, you know, lead you to God, unless it's a sin, of course. Like the the point is, like every daily chore, you know, every little life experience, whether it's something as mundane as going, uh, you know, to the store or something like going to a car dealership, any little thing like that can be transformed into kind of a sacramental act in a way. Yeah, and that's what's yeah. so beautiful about the fact that we believe in the incarnation is that by God becoming man. Um, he elevated all human activities in some way to a, a godly activity. And so like you can kind of participate in the divine even while you're doing very mundane tasks. So that's beautiful. And like what you're talking about is, is huge also that, that particularly in this case, you're doing an activity that you think c- could kind of pre- prepare you to be uh, you know, provider in the role of a father, hopefully, God willing. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think what would be really good to talk about is, is, is fatherhood and especially spiritual fatherhood. And mm-hmm. I know both of us just made consecration separately to St. Joseph and, you know, he's the foster father of the Lord and kind of the, the role model, I think for, for all fathers out there. So yeah. How was, by the way, your, your experience of approaching the consecration? Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, I think also what you were just explaining about you know, inviting the presence of God and everything, it changes everything. It does. And it really opens you up to, to meaning and joy. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's so, so important for, for everyone, but especially men to be solidly rooted in like purpose. Yeah. Um, it frees us from inner emptiness, that relationship with, with God, the father mm-hmm. um, in Christ and, you know, living in, in the Holy spirit. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the consecration of St. Joseph, it was, it was really incredible. Um, I've done it before. Okay. Um, I did it the year before um, in March. So for the, the Feast of St. Joseph on, on March 19th. And um, I actually got the book by Father Calloway a little bit earlier. Um, when I was a student at Franciscan, mm-hmm. there was a, a priest named Father Michael Baker who's a Marian father of the Immaculate Conception. And that's the same order as Father Calloway. Yeah. Yeah. MIC. Okay. Yeah. And, um, he was, he was there for like a vocations awareness fair and he was like just giving out the books for free. And so that was my first interaction with him. And, uh, he actually became a bit of a spiritual father for me. Mm -hmm. Like, um, he, (laughs) God bless this man, like in his patience, he, 
he um, really helped me through a, a time of intense scrupulosity. Yeah. And, um, you know, he heard a, a really long general confession that I made, like, it, yeah, it was ridiculous. Really? Yeah. Um, but was it very like scrupulous and kind of detailed? Yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to hit every point. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to possibly miss anything. Um, Based. but anyway, yeah, I, I kind of hold, I held on to the book for a while and I didn't really, you know, bring it out and use it until the, the previous time, um, before this one that, that I did the consecration. Um, but I think a good place to start Nate would probably be, um, uh, my consecration to Mary. So, um, of course, you know, we're, we're friends. Yeah. Um, so you know a little bit about my story, but right. for, for the listeners, um, I'm a revert of a little over five years at this point. And the blessed mother played a huge role in, in helping me to come to Jesus and just being freed from a lot of vice and sin and darkness and everything. Um, but, uh, so I'm trying to remember exactly the time frame. Right. So maybe a year or two into my, my reversion, technically. Oh, um, so you were born and or baptized Catholic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got, I got my first communion, but I didn't really practice my faith or, got you. you know, go to mass or anything. It wasn't really a part of my, my life or, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, basically like a, yeah, about a year into year or two into my reversion, um, I was set to go to Franciscan for my grad studies in the fall. Um, this is 2020. So in the summer, as, um, this is, this is the summer during, uh, the whole COVID thing. Um, and I really felt led to consecrate myself to our lady, like in the method of, um, St. Louis Marie de Montfort. And, uh, I think I first did Father Calloway, not Father Calloway, uh, Father Gately's oh, consecration, yeah. 33 days to morning glory. Yeah. And, um, I really wanted to live my relationship with the blessed mother. Well, mm-hmm. um, I really felt that like I owed her that, you know, with mm-hmm. how much mercy she showed to me and, and obtained from me, right. or, um, she obtained from me from the Lord. And then eventually um, St. Joseph and devotion to him kind of kept coming more and more into my life. Of course, when you're exposed to Catholic piety and, you know, the writings of the saints and spiritual authors, you're mm-hmm. going to encounter them. Like one thing that comes to mind is, um, the witness of St. Teresa of Avila, where she had like a really horrible illness that, you know, she thought she was going to die basically. And St. Joseph's intercession basically, helped cure her really yeah so i didn't know that yeah yeah and she she basically says like i can't think of a time where i've gone to him and i haven't received help Mm -hmm. so yeah he's he's truly a spiritual father in the family of god um but yeah I, i remember even you know when i was a student at franciscan i had this really interesting experience where um, I was about to go to bed or to go to sleep and I was in my bed and I had this, it's hard to explain, but I had this sense that Jesus and St. Joseph were present and they were like sort of looking at me and like talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a thing of, you know, take care of him. Jesus is saying, saying to St. Joseph. Right. Um, so that was a really That's blessed powerful. experience. That was yeah. at Francis. Can you say it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I remember I, I, I was really struggling a lot with, um, 
just my my emotions and everything like like trying to integrate them more because you know my my past life I kind of you know went a little bit crazy at times and so you know the Lord bringing me into a place of more more order mm-hmm. um, you know there's there's a great process and a great struggle it can be really painful and so um. I really felt like I, I, I should start going to St. Joseph a lot more. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, bringing it back to the the time when I first did the consecration, you know, I was, I was doing the readings, I was doing the prayers and everything. And my experience was, you know, in terms of trying to find my identity and my own, my own calling from the Lord, mm-hmm. I really noticed um, just a great, healing coming forth right. like a, a more, more of a security in my my sense of of who I was as a man and it was by no means complete you know it's it's a process it's a journey um I don't want to give the impression that like oh I was just saved and then everything was fine right at that you know after that yeah but it was It'd be some, nice if it was like that but that's that's just not reality yeah yeah I mean I mean we could definitely say that um but like even looking back, I'm I'm grateful for the time of struggle, especially because, right. um, you know it's it's there that that I really got to know the Lord more, and, and especially Saint Joseph. Right, praise God, that's wonderful. Yeah, um, it's just amazing. I feel like there's been this sudden awareness in the church in the last few years of the presence of Saint Joseph, and I don't yeah. know if it's just me personally that I've I've come to hear more about him in the last few years, but I think just as a general church. Um, thanks in part, obviously, to to the popular book by Father, Father Calloway. Thanks, of course, to you know Saint or sorry Pope Francis declaring the year of Saint Joseph a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's been this kind of awakening to the presence of Saint Joseph, who I think really uh, for too long has been a, a very underrated figure in our faith. And it's like we're just now becoming aware of you know what a beautiful example he is and what a beautiful foster father he can be and and how powerful he can be yeah. in the face of temptation and in in supporting us in virtue. Definitely. So, yeah. Definitely. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of incredible. Uh, I've just been thinking about also today, I was actually thinking about this in, in advance of us recording this kind of the, the way in which it seems like St. Joseph in beautiful ways is kind of the antithesis of a lot of the evils of our modern age. I was thinking St. Joseph is kind of the remedy for the modern world because the modern world is, uh, you know, it's very noisy, right? Mm-hmm. And St. Joseph was a very silent figure. Like, he, that's, that's one of the most notable characteristics about him in the scriptures is he, he acts, you know, he follows the will of God, but, you know, he's very silent, right? We don't have any quotes by him. Um, I saw a meme once, actually. It was, uh, like, fa- fa- my favorite quote from St. Joseph, uh, and then it just showed, like, two quotation marks with nothing in between because <laughs> he never says anything in, the, in all the Gospels, right? Yeah. So it, it's incredible. You know, um, I, was just, I was just thinking about this, that – uh kind of our our modern world is full of noise and empty of virtue but saint joseph was free of noise uh, and full of virtue uh, we like to loudly and kind of effeminately reject the lord but saint joseph quietly and manfully welcomed the lord and submitted to his will yeah and i think it's really important nowadays because our culture is so effeminate mm-hmm. uh, it's important that we recognize saint joseph and the example that he gave of masculine virtue in particular um because we we like i said for one thing we're very noisy and and he's quiet and humble and so we can learn from that of course but also 
we are very caught up in uh, love of ourselves yeah. and, you know, love of the easy way. Yeah. And just kind of it, we have this inordinate love in our culture of convenience and doing our will. But St. Joseph didn't do any of that, right? St. Mm-hmm. Joseph uh, did things that were hard. You know, he took his entire family to Bethlehem. That must have been a challenge. He took his family to Egypt. That must have been a huge challenge. We don't really think about how, how hard that must have been at that time when mm. traveling conditions were the way they were. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like you could just hop a, hop on a bus. I mean, he had to, <laughs> I was hearing Bishop Barron talking about this the, the other day in a homily. He had to have walked through a desert, you know, with a, a young wife and a baby, uh, you know, maybe with a donkey and, and kind of go solo through that challenge. And yet he just did it so manfully and he just accepted the will of God in that moment and said, well, you know what? I might have my own uh, desires or I might have my own preferences, but God says we're going to Egypt. We're going to Egypt. Or God says now we're leaving Egypt and going back to uh, Israel. Then I guess we're going back to Israel. Um, Mm. Whatever the Lord asked him to do, he did. He submitted to the Lord's will. Um, And in a very masculine way, I think sometimes we think like submission to the will of another is sort of... uh, unmasculine mm-hmm. or somehow it's kind of uh you know a negation of of the person but really saint joseph proves that you can embrace the will of another person you can embrace the will of the lord in a way that really uh shows your masculinity and shows yeah. your, your courage yeah i think it really shows that identity of sonship mm-hmm. that that core identity that we have to have like it can't come from you know at its most ultimate base, really anything else. I mean, of course there are elements that, that go up into forming our identity, but at Mm -hmm. at its root and, you know, ultimately speaking, you know, that, that relationship that, that Jesus invites us into, to, to share in his divine sonship. Um, and you know, wouldn't you say that the reason why St. Joseph, um, can be obedient to the the father, to God, Mm -hmm. the father is that he trusts that he's good and he's all wise. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what? I want that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned, Nate, like sometimes men might feel emasculated by by following other people or being in a, in a lowly position or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you encounter someone that you can just tell is, is a true man, like full of virtue, mm-hmm. full of goodness, you want to, you know, you want to get with that. You, right. you want to like, you want to, you want to, you want to follow what he has. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah it's inspiring, right? It, it makes you want to participate in that and experience what he's going through. Right. That's the thing. Um, yeah. Submission to, to the devil and his temptations is obviously a, a point of weakness. And that is emasculating. You know, when we men do that repetitively and day in and day out, it does, you know, deprive us of our masculine virtue. But on the other hand, submission to the will of the Lord elevates our masculinity right and it really it you know deepens us in virtue it deepens us in courage and yeah submission to the lord is not degrading it's it's elevating and i i just think it's it's really beautiful that we uh, another thing that i've discovered in the last few years is the litany of saint joseph mm. and he has all these titles uh that are really incredible and kind of just kind of epic on, on some <laughs> level like some, some of them are pretty fire like the the terror of demons like yeah. I mean, that's powerful like you, you yeah. call joseph the terror of demons you know yeah we, we have all these horror movies nowadays or just for a long time that, you know, kind of point to how terrifying the demons are. Well, St. Joseph uh, terrifies the demons, you know. So I, if you don't mind, I kind of want to just, I have the the litany pulled up. If you want to just, if you'd be down to, to go through a few of the titles. Sure. And yeah. just comment on them and, yeah. and kind of what beautiful truth they reveal about Joseph. Yeah, I, I had one in mind. Um, it might be a different translation, but 
<laughs> this is something that really resonated with me uh, at one point, especially, but I mean, it's still, it's still valid. Solace of the wretched. Dang. Solace of the wretched. That's fire. I think, which I one is it? I'm trying to see if that's in this list here. Um, I think it's comfort of the sorrow. Comfort of the sorrow. Yeah. Okay. I kind of yeah. like, I like solace of the, the wretched yeah. better though. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Solace of the wretched. Um, I think that really can, can highlight St. Joseph's role as provider and protector. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the most fundamental, uh, necessities in the spiritual life, like the catechism, the section on prayer right. begins with, um, in the, in the first few paragraphs in that part of, of the catechism, it, it basically says that in order to have an effective and fruitful prayer life, mm-hmm. essentially, you need to realize that man is a beggar before God, right? Basically, what that means is that we have to depend on the richness of God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, St. John Paul II had an encyclical that I haven't read, but I was thinking about it in, you know, in preparation for this podcast here. Mm-hmm. But um, it's called Rich in Mercy. Okay. And um, I think it has to do with God the Father. But anyway, um, you know, that, that fundamental relationship of, of sonship mm-hmm. to the Father recognizing that everything good that we do have is a gift from our father. Yeah. You know, St. James says something to that effect. And I think maybe the first chapter of his letter in the Bible, like every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights. Yeah. Um, so I, I think <clears throat> what makes us more fully ourselves as men is the virtue of humility as well. Humility, especially essentially um, living in, the truth mm-hmm. of who we are. And mm-hmm. the truth is that we live in a fallen world. Right. We have the effects of original sin. You know, there is a certain sense that we're inclined to evil. Yeah. You know, we still have the desires that God puts in our hearts that are good. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, we, we all need to humble ourselves. Yeah. We all need to humble ourselves. And for St. Joseph to be the solace of the wretched yeah. Or what was the other? The comfort of, of this. What is it? The comfort of the sorrowing or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, being a, a protector, like he can help us be protected from our own selves. Yeah. You know, and, absolutely. And, and our own I think, pride. I think if we're really honest, like any man, you know, looking at his life, there have been moments where it's like, yeah, I acted a bit like a monster in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really about harnessing that that energy and that, um, you know, that drive that's that's sort of inherent, um, I think, in a lot of times in, in being a man and, and having that be refined, right? Having that be, be just like ordered towards yeah. towards the true good, mm-hmm. and far from restricting our freedom or being stuffy or stilted or whatever, it actually frees us to have access to what's really good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Know? I love what you're just saying about humility too, because it seems to me that true masculinity is the perfect harmony of humility and leadership. Mm-hmm. So obviously we know that, that men are, are called to, to take a role as leaders, Yeah, you know, um, that happens in the church that happens in, in the family, you know, St. Paul in, in his letter to the Ephesians, of course, in Ephesians five, uh, yeah. he calls men uh, to take a role of leadership in their families. And he compares it to the way in which Christ has some leadership over the church. But if you look at that that relationship there, you say, 
okay, well, how was Christ a leader for the church? How was he an example right. uh, for the church? And it was by perfect humility, right? Like mm. Christ himself, like you pointed out earlier, said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Yes. And to give, uh, you know, he gave his life as a ransom for many. And so I, I think men are called to be leaders, yes, but uh, leaders by the example of absolute humility. Yeah. And St. Joseph just perfectly exemplified that because, like we said, he he did lead in his family. He led the holy family. He led two people that were actually holier than himself. Um, and, and, you know, he, he led them through trials. He led them to Egypt. He, he led them back. Um, but he did so with total humility. He wasn't putting himself on display and saying, I'm the one in charge here. I'm going to mm-hmm. dominate and tell you guys what to do. No, but rather he was, he was humbly submitting and saying, this is the will of the Lord. And so as the father in the household, I'm going to lead my family to, to do the will of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And I, sorry, just two, two other, uh, titles. Uh, you might, you might have others. But uh, two other titles that struck me when I was looking at the litany again, uh, I think go hand in hand, which is uh, Joseph most chaste mm. and uh, Joseph the cornerstone of families. Mm. I think in our modern world, Satan has declared an official war on chastity and on the family. Mm. Right? I mean, you, yeah. you, 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 all you need to do is look at media, <laughs> look at look at the news. Yeah, look at you know new new forms of uh, sexuality that people are trying to express, and you see that there's a war on chastity. Because people are just trying to indulge themselves mm. in pleasure and, you know, use others for, for lustful means mm. um, or for lustful purposes. But you also see a, a total war on the family. You know, we're, we're breaking down what it means to be a family. We're trying to eradicate the old, the traditional and true definition of, of family, you know, a husband and a wife and, you know, the fruit that comes from that. Um, so there's there's a war against the family nowadays. And I think St. Joseph... It must be the defender of the family. We, If we want to protect the family in these times, if we want to protect chastity and respect for one another, we have to turn to St. Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, I'd like to hear what you have to say about this, Nate. Um, of course, the, the word and the concept of chastity, but also from a little bit earlier, um, effeminacy. So mm-hmm. could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You mean with, uh, with St. Joseph? Or? Yeah. I mean, you could tie it in, but basically like what how, how do we understand, like, what is effeminacy? What is, what is right. chastity? Because I think we have these these images in our mind of, like, chastity being something that it's actually not. Right. Um, or effeminacy, like, you know, does that mean being a woman is bad? Yeah. Right. Well, I think that's, that's a big uh, misnomer kind of in the term yeah, effeminacy yeah. itself. Is it, it sounds like the term effeminate sounds like feminine, mm-hmm. like relating to, to womanly qualities. But that's actually not what it means. Right. Um, uh, a f- feminine and effeminate are very, very different from each other. So I think effeminacy a- just generally means something along the lines of, you know, something that kind of degrades your nature by, by uh, a kind of sort of weakness and self-indulgence. Um, you know, it, it manifests itself, I think, in, in laziness. Mm. Uh, it manifests itself in, uh, in you know, inordinate love of pleasure yeah, yeah. and also in selfishness. So that we're, yeah. not, we're not saying that... Uh, you know, those are feminine qualities because women are often <laughs> much less lazy and, you know, much, much holier than men. So we're not, we're, the, the term effeminacy doesn't refer to that. But it basically, it, it does just mean, yeah, breaking down uh, the, the courage and the virtue of a person, uh, you know, through these kind of self-indulgent uh, vices. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think uh, the way in which that happens is, well, for one thing, uh, too much self-centeredness. You know, when we, when we become fixated on pleasure and pursuing our own ends mm-hmm. and, you know, indulging in whatever seems convenient to us, 
we can become effeminate. In our modern world, that happens a lot through social media and through our phones, right? We, we, yeah. we have our phones and we kind of shut the outside world out and we just fixate on whatever is the current uh, hit of dopamine. Mm-hmm. And so we, we become like weak. We, we become, we lose our virtue. We kind of feel ourselves like dying on the inside. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that does happen. And that will necessarily bring down our other virtues too. You know, becoming effeminate will also, you know, harm your, your, uh, your ability to be chaste. Right, because it kind of weakens your will. It reduces your willpower. Yeah. Um, and I think St. Joseph is the remedy for a lot of that because, like we said, he is a remedy against effeminacy. Um, he showed true true virtue, true courage um, uh, in a masculine way. I mean, a woman, too, can, can show courage in, in a way that, you know, combats effeminacy. Yeah, like Proverbs 31. Exactly. Yeah. The pro- yeah, yeah. The Proverbs 31 yeah. woman is boys get you a get you a wife like Proverbs 31. <laughs> but uh, but like but St. Joseph in a very masculine way showed uh, the way to combat effeminacy. You know, he, he embraced challenges. He embraced difficulties and, and, you know, he faced them by, by following the will of the Lord. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did that relates to the, the question you asked because I guess yeah. I wasn't clear on what you were asking. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. that definitely covered covered effeminacy well. Yeah, and, and yeah, the, the weakness thing, like weakness of will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I've heard that Aquinas defines it. I might I might be not getting this exactly right, but effeminacy as an unwillingness to sacrifice or suffer due to an attachment to pleasure. Okay. So I think that sort of concise. You should have brought that up at the beginning. Up. I was like trying to like, Hey, well, like, I want to hear what you have to say. I was trying to struggle to, to come <laughs> up with like my own definition, but that we should have just gone to Thomas Aquinas now. Yeah. But, uh, no, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think, I think the word effeminacy, um, might not always be the most effective because people can just really easily misunderstand it. You know? Yeah. Nowadays, I think it means but, acting like a woman. Um, yeah. Also, also chastity. Yeah. Chastity. What, what do you have to say about chastity and how, how can, how can St. Joseph play into that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at what he did, um, with, you know, the blessed mother, he, he sacrificed his own, uh, like, I, mean, I don't know, his, his own will for the sake of, of the blessed mother and protecting her. Right. He, he wasn't, uh, focused on trying to serve his own purposes. Right. Because if you look at the, the beginning of, uh, Luke's gospel when when he finds out that Mary's with child uh it seems like you know the the ordinary thing would be to divorce her and you know maybe in a, in a very aggressive way I mean tra- traditionally that that might even involve stoning you know in the in the Hebrew tradition um but he didn't do that he didn't put uh you know his own uh anger or wrath on on you know as the thing to be served but he just said okay well you know I'm going to swallow my pride if if she's pregnant you know by another man then I'm just going to quietly divorce her that itself, it may not seem like it, but I think in a, in a way that itself was an act of chastity because it showed, it, or at least it points to his chastity because it shows that, you know, he wasn't uh, desiring uh, the Blessed Mother for his own sake, mm-hmm. just for his own ends, but for her good. And so, you know, when he thought she was pregnant by some other guy, he said, well, I, I need to put her good first and foremost, so I'm going to divorce her quietly in a way that doesn't do harm to her and her reputation, but in a way that still, you know, like prevents scandal. And so... He did that, and then, you know, what happens? As soon as he gets a dream telling him, no, that child is not of another man, it's of the Holy Spirit, well, he immediately, you know, says, okay, well, then I guess I am going to take her back into my home and protect her. He was protecting her from, you know, other men. He he was protecting her, you know, from, uh, well, I don't know, from, from the sort of scandal and gossip that, that I'm sure was going around in the town. Uh, and, and so he kind of preserved, I think, her chastity in a way, or the, the her reputation, and I think that points to just the fact that he himself 
was a selfless man. Mm-hmm. And, and even just you look at how willingly he uh, went out and followed the will of the Lord, even when it was challenging, shows that he was not a man who was afraid of challenges. And I think that's at the core of chastity is a willingness to embrace difficulty and willingness to resist our own personal uh, feelings in the given moment. Because often, you know, unchastity often comes down to us just giving into a momentary feeling or or our own yeah. self-indulgent desires. But St. Joseph never put his desires above what the Lord asked of him. Yeah, I think what you're getting at really well there, Nate, is um, that charity is the form of all virtues. Mm-hmm. Like all true virtue right. is informed by charity, loving God. Um above all things for his own sake and loving your neighbor as, as yourself for, for love of God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that, um, you know, you, you, you hit on a lot of, a lot of different virtues there, yeah. you know, cause that's the thing. <laughs> kind of like all, around, but, but... All, all the virtues are, are interconnected, right? They are. You, you know, I think you really described a lot of fortitude mm-hmm. there. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, one thing I wanted to to touch upon, I think is a really interesting point of discussion. Um, and father Calloway gets at this in the book is like the interpretation of the, the first chapter, um, or maybe it's the second chapter, um, basically early on in Matthew's gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, what was St. Joseph thinking when, when this was going on? And, and I, I love one of the interpretations, um, that St. Uh, father Calloway shares is that, <clears throat> Uh, maybe it's not so much that St. Joseph suspected Mary of unfaithfulness because, mm-hmm. you know, he he indicates that maybe St. Joseph knew her very well. And like, you know, I, I would think that it's nearly impossible that that would be the case. Right. Um, so maybe maybe he kind of like was was aware of of the mystery that was going on. And mm-hmm. like maybe he felt just like unworthy um, oh, wow. to to partake in it. Um, and And I think that that can kind of um, bring some clarity to the whole thing of like when, when the gospel says like he decided to send her away quietly. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I think Father Calloway even even mentions that he doesn't like the, the word divorce as, as a translation okay. because um, maybe, he, he, maybe that wasn't exactly what he was intending to do. I think that like maybe he, he was trying to protect her from, from scandal mm-hmm. because he – had hope and really thought that it was the most likely thing that, that Mary did not, you know, commit adultery. Okay. Um, and so other people might think that she did. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if, if that's the case, then they might try to push for exposing her to shame and like right. getting her stoned. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's really interesting to, to sort of, um, you know, see all all the different different opinions. I mean, none of this is is defined as dogma. So, right. um, but that's I think true. I mean, we don't I, have a lot yeah. to work with about about Joseph. But yeah, yeah. I think another thing, um, I think that that could be really helpful um, in terms of like chastity itself. Um, I've heard of it sort of described as like properly integrating your sexuality in accordance with your current state of life. Hmm. So all people are called the chastity. Chastity right. doesn't just mean abstinence from sexual relations. Right. It doesn't end when you get married yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, basically you, you, you can't just do whatever you want. Right. So chastity, like, I think you were touching upon this, um, or maybe just like a bunch of the things you were saying earlier, um, that like chastity helps free us to, to give ourselves and not to use the other person as mm-hmm. like a, this is, you know, I'm just, you know, using you for my own sexual pleasure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the primary thing is 
I give myself to you. I love you. Mm-hmm. And I receive the gift of your own self mm-hmm. that you freely give. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Joseph perfectly did that. Um, I, you see that, like you said, with, with his, even his humility kind of, I think, reflects that too, in that, he, you know, he, um, he wanted what was best for Mary. And, and maybe in the kind of interpretation you gave from Father Donald Calloway, uh, maybe he thought that that wasn't even his role. And that's why maybe he kind of, uh, parted from her quietly is seeing that there was some sort of, uh, immaculate mystery going on. You know, this, this miraculous thing happening. He, he did, he kind of tried to step out of it at first. And I think that that points to his humility. And of course, uh, we're, we're referencing a lot of different virtues, but like you said, yeah. they are all tied up together, right? Humility is linked to chastity and is linked to charity and is linked to courage. All, all of them involve, to some extent, putting the good of someone else uh, in front of your own good. And St. Joseph did that very well. And I think a lot of this is summed up in just one verse of scripture where, you know, it said uh, right before it says that, St. Joseph tried to you know, divorce her quietly. Uh, it says Joseph was a righteous man. Mm. And we kind of throw that term around a lot nowadays. Um, or often in, in speaking of spiritual matters, we might use the term righteous or just very frequently. But we have to realize in the Holy Scriptures, the terms like just or righteous are very special. And they have a very mm-hmm. particular meaning. They don't, yeah. just, they don't just mean you're a nice guy or you're a, pol- <laughs> you're a polite person. You don't, yeah. you don't just call anybody a righteous man. Um, righteousness and justice as a as a person uh righteousness or justice in a person really point to a deep level of holiness Mm -hmm. Uh, i think there's only a few people in the bible who are actually called righteous and joseph is one of them the others probably being like like moses and and a handful others who really were you know deeply conformed to the Mm -hmm. will of god and so i I think that's one thing we got to remember too is the level of sanctity that saint joseph had we often speak of course of mary's holiness you know she was immaculately conceived she was without sin, but it's important to remember um, Saint Joseph was lives from what we can tell a pretty much sinless life too, and we don't really speak of that. Um, but we, I mean, from all the proofs that there is in Scripture, we never see him, uh, you know, swaying or erring from the from the way of God, and you know, setting his own will in opposition to the Lord's. Yeah, yeah, I I think there there's the idea that like um, Saint Joseph was not immaculately conceived in the way that that Mary was, right. but um, that he never committed personal sin. So he has the, the full superlative of every virtue. That's, that's the term that Father Calloway uses, mm-hmm. the superlative of every virtue. And I think that really makes sense um, when, you, when you consider the, the vocation that, that the Father gave to St. Joseph to, to help you know, form the, the human nature of Christ in such a primary way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would make sense that like, you know, Jesus says that, that the son cannot do what, but what the father, what he sees the father doing mm-hmm. something along the lines of that. I think it's in St. John's gospel. Yeah. Um, but it would, it would make sense that, that St. Joseph was, was, uh, sanctified and received a special grace to, to not commit any personal sin, even though he was not preserved from the stain of original sin, like Mary was. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I think one, one of the thing that, that comes to mind that I want to really, uh, touch upon real quick um, is the whole thing of when, when the angel tells St. Joseph, like, do not fear to take Mary, your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you, if you follow along the, the line of interpretation of like St. Joseph didn't suspect Mary of adultery mm-hmm. or unfaithfulness, right? it could be that he still was wrestling with the temptation of doubt. Mm-hmm. And so that must've been a really, really heart wrenching time for him of, yeah of great distress. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can imagine that, that he would have 
you know, made an act of the will to put his trust in the Lord anyway. But I think that the, that the angel in his, in the angel's words can be seen as, you know, a, a, a consolation that's being brought. It's like a, a total confirmation that erases any sort of doubt whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I think just practically speaking in terms of, um, our devotion to St. Joseph and, you know, going through our own lives, like we're going to face uncertainties and doubts. Mm-hmm. So when we go to Joseph, I mean, this reminds me of the the verse from Hebrews that talks about how, you know, Jesus, the, the high priest, we don't have someone who, you know, is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but he's been tried in every way yet without sin. Yeah. And so Joseph himself, um, you know, we can, we can go to him, um, you know, in, in our, in our difficulties, knowing that like he's experienced this anguish as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so powerful for, for men. We need, we need other men. Um, right. you know, it's not someone that we're going to literally see in front of us unless we, you know, have an apparition of St. Joseph, but that's not, mm-hmm. not super likely, but still yeah. he's, he's still spiritually present. He's alive yeah. in heaven. Right. So right. he, he is there and we, we, we access that reality by, by the gift of faith that the Holy Spirit bestows upon us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's often a misconception uh, nowadays with faith that for a, uh, you know, person in our faith or for a saint to be relatable, they have to have, you know, committed a lot of sins mm-hmm. or be kind of uh, on our level of, of weakness. But that that's not necessarily the case. St. Joseph is relatable in that he, you know, he had an ordinary job. He was an ordinary man, probably not, you know, the best educated. You know, he experienced challenges in his life. He faced temptations. He went through a lot of, a lot of tough stuff, and yet, uh, so he's relatable in that way, and yet he elevates us, he inspires us to live the virtues fully, because like you said, he was the superlative of all virtues, and, and so I think that's what's beautiful about St. Joseph, is he is a very down-to-earth figure in our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't get much more uh, ordinary or, or simple than, you know, a layman carpenter. Um, I mean, similarly, you can say the same about Christ himself, but, but with, with St. Joseph, you know, he was a layman carpenter who we don't even know anything he said, um, but we know that he had this great virtue. Um, and so it calls us out of our own, you know, kind of, uh, mediocrity and it, it calls us to, you know, a higher level of virtue, even amidst our ordinary daily, daily challenges and the mundaneness of life. And by the way, I, I just want to touch on that. I think it's important that, uh, God did choose a carpenter, a blue-collar worker, to be the foster father of his son. Because it's it's often, uh, you know, in our faith, there, there are many saints who are high intellectuals. We have wonderful saints like Augustine or Thomas Aquinas, mm-hmm. and they're very intellectual, and that's beautiful. They contribute a great deal to our faith. There's other saints who were bishops and priests and martyrs and nuns, and they have these lives that are, you know, in very obvious ways devoted to God. Um but what we we often sometimes forget about is the beauty of the lady and and kind of the, the beauty of living a simple, ordinary life, not very intellectual, uh, not necessarily in a religious order, but just living a, a simple life of a layman to, still wholly devoted to God. And that's what St. Joseph, I think, uh, set for us as an example is he, he showed us that, you know, an ordinary blue collar worker can be one of the holiest figures in the history of Christianity, you know, and I think it's important that God chose that, that man, uh, not, not some philosopher, not the emperor of Rome, uh, you know, not, not some king, but, but that man, a carpenter is going to be the foster father of my Mm. son. Yeah. Yeah. Hidden life. And, um, the whole thing about kingship, like, 
you know, it's, it's funny because St. Joseph was, was not, you know, in, in a palace like Herod, mm-hmm. but he actually was a, a descendant of royalty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he had the Davidic line. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I really, I really look like what you said there, Nate. I think that, that gives, um, that, that should give a lot of confidence to, to basically say that like anyone can be holy as long as you're, you're willing to give yourself to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be, um, you know, super outwardly speaking, according to the world, you don't mm-hmm. have to be glamorous. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that reminds us that we should, we should try to see the, the things the way that God sees them. And mm-hmm. I think that there are many instances in scripture, um, that really show that love of lowliness that God has. Like one that comes to mind is when the prophet Samuel is coming to, um, anoint the new King of Israel and, you know, he's looking at the sons of Jesse and there's this really big, you know, physically impressive one. And Samuel thinks, oh, it must be him. Right. And then the Lord says, no, it's not. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's David. You know, the Lord does not like see as man sees for the, mm-hmm. for man sees um, according to the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Right. Um, and I think the Magnificat as well, like he has had mercy on the, the lowliness of his yeah. handmaid, the right. humility of his handmaid. And so, like that—that's something, Nate, that that really has struck me in my own spiritual life recently. Um, the the power of lowliness, and like you know, Paul talks about in First Corinthians, like God chose what was weak in the world to shame the strong, mm-hmm. kind of a thing to sort of say, like you know, human greatness in the end, like if it's not united to the will of God, it's right. it's in vain. Kind mm-hmm. of like how Christ says. What does it profit a man to suffer or sorry, to, to gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his soul? Mm-hmm. So I think that really can, can set our priorities straight. And I mm-hmm. think that as men, it's, it's very easy to kind of like get caught up in, you know, living a life where the choices that you make and the things that you have, um, you really want the respect of others. You know, it's, it's easy to fall into the error that like, you know, I will be fulfilled. I will be great. You know, if, if a bunch of people respect me for driving yeah. like a fancy luxury car right. or having the, the most powerful, you know, lucrative job or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, no, the, the treasure, yeah, the tre- the treasure that like, you know, Jesus says that the treasure buried in a field, the, the pearl of great price, that's belonging to God. That's, that's being a saint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christianity teaches us that you can be truly holy regardless of your circumstances. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of what you're getting at because it seems like. Um, we often have misconceptions uh, rooted in our natural experience that you need to be in ideal circumstances if you want to live really a good mm-hmm. life. And you, you see that in um, as far back as uh, Aristotle's Ethics. I don't know if you've gotten to read that, but I, I got to read that last year in, in my philosophy class. And, you know, in his uh, his work on the ethical life, he, he basically kind of concludes that to be a truly, perfectly virtuous man, you have to be you know, rich, you have to be, uh, have a good reputation, you have to be well liked, and you have to be, uh, you know, have a lot of circumstances in your favor, right? Um, but St. Joseph and many of the saints and Christ himself refutes that idea. They mm-hmm. prove that even in uh, challenging circumstances, even in lowly circumstances, you can be a truly great saint. Um, and and St. Joseph shows, shows that, and, and by doing so, he also points to the, the value of the present moment, um, which is like you don't if you don't need to be in ideal circumstances of wealth or or, uh, you know, glory to be a saint. You also don't have to wait 
uh, for the future or for like some future situation to be a saint. You can be holy in the present moment. And in fact, that's the only place where you can be holy. You can't be holy in the future. You can't be holy in the past. You can only be holy in the present moment. And St. Joseph embraced holiness in the present moment. He lived moment by moment. You know, he made choices in a very active way and very decisively. You know, when, when the Lord said in the middle of the night, he had a dream, uh, okay, Herod is coming to kill a child. Joseph didn't wake up and, and, you know, think like, well, I'm going to ponder about this for like, you know, a few days um, and, and see what happens next. Or maybe, maybe I'll try to get my affairs in order and then we'll consider going to Egypt. Cause guess what? Uh, if that had happened, the Christ child would have died, you know, yeah. but instead he, he woke up in the middle of the night. He said, well, Mary, uh, we got to get up. Cause I just had a dream. And so we're, deci- we're decisively in this present moment going to flee to Egypt. And so he, he, he embraced the present moment. He lived a holy life in that present moment. Um, and I think that that's, that's just a, a good lesson for all of us because often it's easy to, to look to the future, I think, as, as a uh, opportunity for holiness. You know, like I might say, uh, with regard to vocations, for example, well, when I'm a husband and father, you know, I'll, I'll live a really holy life. Mm-hmm. Or when I'm a priest, you know, I'll, I'll maybe do all these wonderful things and, you know, uh, help through the sacraments and I can do the, do this, uh, this saintly life. But then St. Joseph reminds us, no, we have to be, um, present uh, in, where we are right now. We have to be holy in the present moment. We have to make the decisions that God is calling us to make right here and right now. Hmm. Well said. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, I droned off for a while. I ramble sometimes. No, you're good. But, I, uh, I do that all the time. It's it's really funny. <laughs> Back when I, when I was uh, teaching high school high school religion last year, yeah. um, that was that was one thing that more than one of my students says, like, you tend to ramble. You really? Yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> rambling relative to like an average was it middle school or high school it was high school, high school, high school I, even high school like rel- rambling relative to uh to a modern american high schooler uh it just means you're talking for more than like five seconds you know, <laughs> but I, I think the the average attendance span is like i don't know less than 10 seconds at this point maybe maybe, maybe i don't know I, I think there is but. some truth to what they said and that's that's a that's a great opportunity for for learning and growth you know yeah but um humility yeah yeah so uh nate what do you what do you think? Um, what for for all the listeners out there? Why do you think for all all eight of them are sitting out? All of them, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyone yeah. who's who's going to listen to this podcast, right? Um, why would you say you should consecrate yourself to Saint Joseph? What is it going to do for you? Interesting. That's that's a that's a wonderful question. Well, I mean, I guess I still have have yet to uh, to see obviously all the effects of it because I just made the consecration on Sunday. Okay. Um, first but, time. First time. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think like we said, as the litany of St. Joseph reveals, uh, St. Joseph is a very powerful figure. He is the terror mm-hmm. of demons. He is the solace of the wretched. And so he provides this presence of consolation and strength in our lives that, you know, I, I, I hope, and I expect I will see the, the fruits of, you know, in the coming years. But I actually want to flip it since you mm-hmm. made a consecration sure. uh, longer ago. And also you've, you've read the, the book by Father Calloway. I still haven't actually gotten to read it all the way through. Um, what, why do you think a person should, should uh, make a consecration to St. Joseph? Sure. I think there, there are many reasons. Um, you know, it might be helpful just if, you know, you, you discern that maybe it's a good idea to get the book yourself, Consecration of St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father by Father Donald Calloway. Um, you know, you can, you can discover it for yourself maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will, I will give my own personal reasons. I think that objectively speaking, it's all about being united to the will and design and plan of the father. Mm -hmm. Um, and that comes by imitation of Jesus. And so when we look at the, the reality of 
how God brings about his salvation, we see the theme of covenant and we see covenant family. Mm-hmm. So the holy family, this is the the place that Jesus came into the world. Um, he came into the world only through Mary um, being born of her, you know, physically speaking. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the saints in, in, our, in our faith will tell us that, like, there's also a spiritual dimension of this, that, like, Mary being um, the mediatrix of all graces, mm-hmm. that God works all of his graces through Mary um, because she basically um, brings forth the word. And so that's something that God chose to do. Mm-hmm. It's not something that he needed to do. Um, of course, Jesus is the one mediator between God and man, but and everything that you know Mary mediates is, is with and under Christ. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's to enter into the reality of, of the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. And if it's good enough for Jesus to, to, yeah. you know, have St. Joseph as, as his father, right. it's good enough for me. That's beautiful. Um, and I, and I think that like, there's definitely a reciprocal effect that mm-hmm. can happen. And what I mean by that is specifically in relationship to, our spiritual and devotional lives that's kind of more on the unseen level and then our practical lives in the midst of the the people that you can you know mm-hmm. physically see and touch and hear and everything right. um more in a direct way mm-hmm. um of course we can have locutions from from god and that's something that you know you need to discern um 14 rules of ignatius father timothy gallagher just a quick shout out that's really really helpful but anyway, I, di- I digress. Yeah. Um, there, there, there are like podcasts out there that, oh, okay. that can, that can be, be helpful to sort of become familiar with it. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's basically that like the more that I find, I find that the more that I draw closer to Jesus, Mary and Joseph in their reality as the Holy family, mm-hmm. then there's sort of like on a, on a more, um, directly human level, like, like physical, tangible level, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I go into the realities of, of the people around me, like my brothers and sisters in Christ, that's spiritual family. And then also, you know, I know that not everyone has access to this, but, you know, um, literal families, like father, mother, kids and everything. I've been so, so blessed to be able to experience a lot of love through that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, I think this is a quote from St. John of the Cross, but like if you, if you fail to find love in a situation, basically be the one who brings it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a difficult thing right. and you might not be received, but I mean, you know, God calls us to continue to do it. And he, you know, you look at the cross, Jesus crucified, he gave everything in love and look at the response mm-hmm. and he loved anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really daunting, but he gives us the Holy spirit to have courage and boldness. Right. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that back to the whole reciprocal thing, it's like, going back and forth to like the, the more tangible reality of, of the family in, in this present, you know, um, world. And then the spiritual devotional aspect, it's like, it's helped both. Mm-hmm. It's really edified both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also, you know, for anyone who, who's, who's listening, like God has a plan for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants you to, to walk with him, to figure out what that might be. And it's a process. I've been discerning my vocation for a while. Um, you know, I thought at one point I was going to be a priest or a seminarian, but you know, I I think that's probably not going to be the case, Mm -hmm. but God has a plan for your life. And whether you're a man or a woman, 
I mean, having St. Joseph as your spiritual father, yeah, like God designed it so that, you know, ideally we would be in a situation where we have fatherhood and motherhood directly. Um, and like our own fathers, you know, some of them did a great job. Some of them, unfortunately, not such a great job. So there's going to be gaps left. And mm-hmm. St. Joseph, you know, Father Calloway saying has the superlative of all virtues. And so he's reliable. You can trust him. And the main reason, I think, is because he doesn't lead people ultimately to himself, but he leads people to, to Christ. Right. And Christ is the perfect image of the Father. And so mm-hmm. it's all about that access to God the Father. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's, a, that's a great, it's, it's a great way to sum it up. Mm-hmm. Like to, to eternal rest in, in the Father. There it is. That that was fire. That was a, that was a good summary. And I love particularly what you said that, um, you know, if learning from St. Joseph worked for Christ, why would it not work for us? Mm-hmm. So Jesus grew uh, in grace, age and wisdom. What's the order that scripture says? Jesus grew up in, uh, in age, grace and wisdom in the context of the household of St. Joseph mm-hmm. and in Joseph's carpenter shop. Yeah. So if we want to grow in grace and wisdom, then we also should spend time in the household of St. Joseph and in his carpenter shop. Amen. Uh, spiritually, uh, of course. We, we, it'd be cool if we could do it physically. I mean, <laughs> maybe take a trip to the Holy Land. But um, uh, Well, maybe, you know, please God in heaven. Yeah, that'd be fire. But, um, yeah, so for any of you guys listening who, who maybe haven't had the chance to make a consecration to St. Joseph, uh, uh, we'd both encourage you to, to make that. It is a wonderful experience, and, you know, it's, it's just an opportunity to – develop a deep relationship with this this beautiful man that we have in our faith this wonderful foster father so yeah from from us here at all good in the brotherhood thank you for listening to a little bit extra long episode but we, we hope you enjoyed it and thanks bobby yeah thanks for having me on nate absolutely yeah all right peace out guys god bless